1: We will talk tomorrow on the Bruce Hooley Show with a guest from the Manhattan Institute and with uh, John Stover of Ohio Value Voters about issues going on in schools, state legislature issues. Uh, John is a proponent of, as am I, uh, a state law that would prevent the teaching of critical race theory and its concepts in Ohio schools. Uh, The Ohio Board of Education, Ohio State Board of Education, went all in. On CRT in the aftermath of George Floyd's death, uh, it yesterday issued a resolution that replaced that woke resolution with one that condemns any teaching that seeks to divide. So there are definitely opponents of this and this effort at teaching authentic American history, which includes slavery, Jim Crow, uh, Ku Klux Klan, lots of horrible racial things, Authentic American history to be taught, fine, perfect, needs to be taught, so it never happens again. But to teach that it's still going on, ridiculous and not factually accurate, as nowhere in the United States of America, other than via affirmative action laws, is racial inequity blessed by existing law. So I know there are a lot of people out there who are making money off that hustle, people at the Kerwin Institute at OSU, lots of people who work in schools, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion people. UA has one, Olin Olentangy has three. I know it's a nice hustle, but it's uh, not factually accurate. So we'll have John Stover on the show to talk about that. I got a little bit of a window into uh, the fentanyl situation, and I'm bringing this up today because Halloween is right around the corner. Uh, By the way, Halloween is racist. I found that out today. I'll share details on that. Halloween is racist, yes. There's a war on Christmas, you know, because Christmas is racially uh, uh, intolerant, religiously intolerant, religious bigotry, Christmas. Halloween is racist. (laughs) I'll, I'll explain how some people label it as such. But because Halloween is a holiday that distributes candy to kids. I've had conversations with my daughters about don't ever take anything anyone gives you that comes from someone you don't know well. And even then it's not safe. Because here's how dangerous fentanyl is you hear a lot about fentanyl coming across the border and they've seized more fentanyl than ever before and in astronomical numbers the fentanyl coming across the southern border is often now disguised as prescription drugs Uh, nine and a half million pills have been confiscated have been confiscated okay so nine and a half million pills have been confiscated Does that give you a window into how many pills are out there that made it across? I think that's pretty scary. These pills are made to look like, name it, Percocet, Xanax, Adderall, all routine medicines. Now, they're not making their way into your pharmacies, But there are a lot of people who want Percocet, want Xanax, want Adderall, and they don't have a prescription for it. And they go online and they find a pharmacy where they can buy it. A lot of times it's a Canadian pharmacy, a pharmacy in in England. If you can even tell where these places are. Or you buy it off social media sites. You can find this stuff online. You think you're getting... Percocet, you think you're getting Xanax, you think you're getting Adderall. You're many times not getting those drugs. You're many times getting fentanyl-laced products meant to deliver a result that will enslave you via addiction to that particular drug. There is a billboard across from Texas Stadium where the Dallas Cowboys play. Dallas Cowboys, at Stadium, I guess is the official name. A woman in the Dallas metro area put up a billboard, a picture of her daughter, and the headline on the billboard is, one pill is all it took. She was given a contaminated pill she thought was something else. It was laced with fentanyl, and she died. Three quarters of the 93,000 overdose deaths in the United States last year were due to fentanyl, so that's... Three quarters of 93,000, that's about 70,000 people died of a fentanyl overdose. The problem is so bad in one of the border counties of Arizona, Penal County. They had zero, zero fentanyl deaths in 2018. And this year they're up to like 6,000, I think, 6,000 in a county. Now, some of these people are not permanent residents of the county people coming across the border, the drug addicts coming to get the drugs, but that's an amazing, staggering number, staggering number. How much fentanyl does it take to kill someone? Two milligrams, two milligrams. If you're like me, you have no idea what a milligram is. Two milligrams of fentanyl would fit on the head of a pencil, would fit on the head of a pencil. So one pound of fentanyl. Think of that. How much does a pound weigh? Not very much. Smuggle a pound of fentanyl across the border. How many people could that kill? A pound of fentanyl could kill 227,000 people, which would be the entire population of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Or Des Moines, Iowa. 227,000 people. I, what, like Toledo? Maybe Youngstown? I know these headlines come along and we hear them. We think, ah, fentanyl, fentanyl, fentanyl. Yeah, that's something that we need to know about. Because then once you know about what the danger is, you can share it with your kids. So this is why you got to be very, very, very careful. If somebody wants to help you with a headache or give you a pill, mm. particularly a stranger. you got to be very suspicious of that because it could be a fatal decision. It could. It could be a fatal decision. So that's a look into the fentanyl problem in the United States. Now, Katie Couric made some headlines yesterday. We found out how dishonest, we always knew, at least you should have known, how dishonest of a reporter she was. We found out now how dishonest of a reporter she was. Details on that, and in that same vein, Loudonville, Virginia, I led the show the other day with the story of the girl who was raped and assaulted in heinous ways in a school restroom by a boy wearing a skirt. There are new developments in that case including how few media outlets other than Fox News have covered it. Next on The Bruce Woolley Show. Sometimes I see things reported in the news that are supposed to be earth-shaking, and I shrug my shoulders like, yeah, I knew that. Thank you, Captain Obvious. Such was the case yesterday, my reaction to finding out that Katie Couric had violated journalistic ethics in a sit-down interview that she conducted in 2016 with the late Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Ah, the notorious RBG, hero of the left. So Katie Couric is interviewing Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and at that particular time, one of the big hot-button news items of the day were NFL players kneeling because America's a racist country and why would I stand for the anthem that established uh, a government that pays me millions of dollars to play a kid's game. (laughs) So Katie Kirk asked Ruth Bader Ginsburg about it, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg, in the course of her comments, said, you know, they can do it if they want to do it, but I think they're stupid. Whoa. Well, you know, making a comment about a black athlete doing something stupid would, in the way we extrapolate everything and multiply everything, would have meant that Ruth Bader Ginsburg was saying that if you're black, you're stupid. Or if you kneel for the national anthem, you're stupid. And, of course, that would have severely compromised Ruth Bader Ginsburg's heroic status on the left. So Katie Couric just snipped that part out and didn't air it. And I would think that Katie Couric would have been smart enough to realize that there are still a few honest journalists remaining that had she ever disclosed that, It would have been poorly received. Well, she did disclose it in her book. Maybe she has an insatiable desire to sell books. And she's being pilloried for it by other journalists. I just myself looked at this and went, yeah, and what are you going to tell me next? That Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo aren't down the middle? I mean, how could we be surprised by this at a time in our country where The son of a sitting president. Well, he wasn't sitting then. He was a running president. Well, he was more like a hiding president in the basement of his Delaware campaign headquarters. The son of Joe Biden. A month before the election, a laptop computer with emails could be discovered with a receipt that he left the laptop. And never claimed it with pornography and drug use and, oh, by the way, proof that this son of the guy running for president as the Democratic nominee had been doing business with Chinese energy companies and Ukrainian energy companies, had in fact used his dad and his dad's political influence as vice president of the United States to Make thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars from these foreign adversarial entities because they were paying for influence with the son of the then vice president and the now wannabe president. None of that got reported in the mainstream media. None of it. None of it. We had a business associate in on the deal, Tony Bobolinski, held a press conference. At the site of the final presidential debate. Couldn't make it easier. He flew to Nashville. All the big reporters are in town for the presidential debate. I'll just go right to where they are and I'll hold my press conference and I'll spill the beans on Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, a.k.a. the big guy. And Tony Bobolinsky did that. And none of the networks bothered to even show up and cover it. So I'm not surprised. That Katie Couric protected Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I'm not surprised, but I am further enlightened just how bad it is when none of these networks will report anything about the Hunter Biden laptop, which, by the way, there's more evidence today. The Daily Mail. Is anybody in American journalism the least bit embarrassed (laughs) that the Daily Mail from England Has to break details on the Hunter Biden laptop? An associate of Hunter Biden has emails on this computer that show that he, the associate, shuffled money between Hunter Biden's account and Joe Biden's bank account while Joe served as vice president of the United States. So much. Wow. Hold on. Hold on. Didn't Joe Biden say, I had no no knowledge of any of Hunter Biden's business dealings? I had no idea what he's doing. Wow, you mean Joe Biden would lie? Joe Biden? Every time I look at a picture of Joe Biden smiling, I think. How does anybody think you're anything but an inveterate, unrepentant, congenital liar? That's not an honest face, folks. This guy's name is Eric Schwerin. He's a business partner of Hunter Biden's at his consultant firm, Rosemont Seneca. And he said in an email to Hunter Biden, your dad's Delaware tax refund check came today. I'm depositing it in his account and writing a check in that amount back to you since he owes it to you. Don't think I need to run it by him, but if you want me to go ahead, if not, I will deposit it tomorrow. Well, it sounds like business dealings to me if I, first of all, why is Joe Biden getting a Delaware tax refund? He must not be paying his fair share. Other emails show that Rosemont Seneca received special favors from the vice president's office, including dozens of tickets to exclusive 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue events and private tours for Rosemont Seneca clients or associates. How deep was this relationship between Hunter Biden's consultant firm and Joe Biden? Senator Robert Menendez wanted Joe Biden to attend an event in 2010. Did they reach out to Joe Biden, his secretary, his chief of staff? No. They contacted the business partner of Hunter Biden, this Schwerin character, and said, hey, we need Joe Biden to show up at this event. Can you guys make it happen at Rosemont Seneca? Uh, Jonathan Turley, who appears on Fox, says that this is all so bad that the White House should name a, the Department of Justice should name a special counsel to investigate Joe Biden's financial ties with his son. Well, gee, Professor Turley, We'll get around to that right after we round up every parent who's going to a school board meeting protesting CRT. I don't know when we passed the point where we realized we were the frog being boiled in the pot, but we are. Joe Biden just flouts all of the rules of law as president of the United States. And we just, we're oblivious to the temperature being turned up. First it was uh, Hunter Biden laptop. Now, how much coverage have you seen on the nightly news or CNN or MSNBC about this 14-year-old girl in Loudonville, Virginia, being raped in a school bathroom by a biological boy wearing a skirt pretending he's a girl? Have you seen that? Have you seen uh, the Sears catalog model on ABC Doing that? Have you seen Nora O'Donnell on CBS doing that? Have you seen Don Lemon railing on that? Chris Cuomo railing on that? No. Emma mentioned it. It's now been confirmed, by the way, by police in Virginia that the boy who raped that 14 year old freshman girl, and then a month later, the school put in pro transgender policies and said, no, we don't know anything about any sexual assaults in our schools. Everything's fine. They put that boy on house arrest. And several months later, they allowed him to go to another school in the Loudonville system. Like, let's say, he, you know, here there's multiple high schools in multiple districts. Old Tangy has four high schools. He was going to one high school. He raped the girl. They made him go home for a week or two. They put him in another high school. He did it again. He did it again. You think, well, that parent's going to own that school. Seems to be some debate as to whether or not he can sue that school because they're a state entity.